We know that all earthly things will one day fade away. But prayer lasts through eternity. So when you pray, know this, that the ears of the Lord are attentive to the prayers of the righteous. And prayer is not merely a position on your knees, but more a disposition of your heart. Get to the place where you'd rather weep in his presence than laugh in the presence of anyone else. Learn to discern his whisper above the noise of this world. And then, then discover what it means to pray without ceasing so you can live without fear. Prayer. Prayer is one of the greatest human privileges that we have. Good morning, Victory Midtown. How are you all? Amen. Well, you look wonderful. Make some noise for yourself. Amen. And would you do me a favor and make some noise and just clap it up for Kendall Nielsen Price, who's up here today. As you know at Victory Midtown, if you're new to Victory Midtown, we have three pillars. And the first pillar for Mo and I is serving. We model and we believe in servant leadership and we want to raise up leaders. So Kendall, when we asked, hey, would you help and come join and share with communication, she jumped right on it. And I think she did a great time for her first time out the gates. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, I'm going to dive right on in. We are in week four of our When You Pray series. If you've been blessed by this series, make some noise. Wow. All right. Amen. Amen. As you know, we've talked about intimacy with God. Um, we've talked about the importance of seeking God. Um, last week, Mo shared about when we don't hear from God or when God doesn't answer the prayers that we think he should answer. And today, I'm going to share with you the power and the importance of guide me, God. There are times in our lives when we need prayers of guidance. And God is faithful. He's just. He always comes through for us. And so what I want to do today, I don't want to stand up here as Dr. Mo. I don't even want to stand up here as Pastor Mo 2.0. I'm cool with the Mrs. thing. I'm never going to give that up. All my married ladies, make some noise. Amen. All my going-to-be-married ladies, make some noise. That's what I'm talking about. But today, what I really want to do is stand and share as friends. See, sometimes we just need to hear from a good friend. And so today, we're going to journey and we're going to have a conversation about how God guides us. So if you will, friends, let's go back about 10 years. The date is July 1st, 2010. And on that day, I kept getting calls from different family members saying, I think you should come home. And if you know me, I'm analytical. So when someone says, I think, that's not the surety that I like. Any analyticals in the room? Any facts and data people in the room? All right, I'm in the right room. <laughs> so then one of my mentors at the time, she called me and she said, I'm just sensing that you should go home. And I still wasn't at peace because that meant I was going to have to shift some things and some important things might have had to be put to the side. So while my head is trying to vacillate with it, it was interesting because as I was showering, I heard the Lord say, go home. 
and my heart was at peace. So fast forward, I hop on a plane, I go to Providence, Rhode Island, and I get to spend the last three days of my grandmother's life with her. I literally move into her hospital room. I get a cart, and me and Nana, we're just talking. We're up. The first night, Nana stayed up to 5 a.m. I say Nana because I started to nod. <laughs> but during that time, you guys, she dropped some wisdom keys on my life. That when three days later on July 4th, she went to heaven, those wisdom keys still remained. And so before there was three days in the hospital, I called it Nana Lulabelle Logan's Masterclass on Life Without Regrets. Now, for many of us, we have lived lives where regret has followed us. But for those three days, Nana shared with me the importance of why we should follow God and honor God be guided by God, and when we do those things, how he could provide a life for us that has no regrets. Now, what are regrets? Regrets are feelings of sadness. Sometimes regrets are disappointment. Sometimes regrets are lamentations about moments we feel like we missed. I want to say it this way. Regrets are the fruit of our decisions without the wisdom of God in those decisions. Anybody, have you ever made a decision that if you could turn back the hands of time, you would have done it a different way because you would have had the wisdom and the precision of God guiding your way? So for those three days, Nana just schooled me on some things. And, and how she said it to me is this. She said, Pooh, don't call me Pooh. But she said, because we're friends, right? But you got to be like a real, real friend to call me Pooh. But she said, Pooh, don't live a life of regrets. She said, what stands before you is the opportunity to live a life where you rejoice in the goodness of God. Now, what does it mean to rejoice? To rejoice means to live a life of great happiness about someone or something. We have people at Victory Midtown over the last year, we've had about 20 people, 20 couples have babies. It's been a time of rejoicing for us because we've seen the fruit of the womb and it being blessed. We have couples who are going through premarital counseling. Mo and I, our calendar is booked up, I think, till June. We have like five couples that we're walking through premarital counseling, and we love it because it's in that you are able to rejoice because you get the wisdom of God before you say, I do. But Nana told it to me this way because she knew my analytical mind. And I've shared this with you before at Midtown, but I wanted to put it back in your remembrance. What Nana told me those three days in our hospital room was this. She said, Ken, stop thinking and start thanking God. Stop thinking and start thanking God. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I have thought myself out of the goodness of God. There have been times in my life where I have tricked myself out of the goodness of God. There have been times in my life where I couldn't get out of the paralysis of analysis, so I missed the goodness of God. And what she told me, she said, stop thinking and start thanking, thanking God, because when we thank God, all we can do is rejoice. 
See, you can't occupy one position, then enter in, into a new position and try to hold on to the old position. You can't do it. Try it. You will fail. Because God is a jealous God. And he wants all of us. So he requires some things of us. Nana said, stop thinking, start thanking God. One of my favorite authors, Dr. Leonard Sweet, he says it this way. He said, to please God, to be pleasing to God, is to walk with light, to walk with God in joy, praise, holiness, humility, and humility as image bearers of the light. This is from his book called The Well-Played Life. And this book reminds us that God created us and fashioned us in a particular way where he is always guiding us. And for a lot of us, God wants to play with us almost in the context of our favorite childhood games. But so many of us have stopped playing with God. We've stopped praying to God. And we've gotten away from the guidance of God. Think about it. How many times have you or someone you know been guilty of saying, I'm good, I got it. I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. Are you good or are you just faking it till you make it because you haven't consulted the wisdom of God? How many of us are on autopilot every day of the week and we're not slowing down? And so, God is saying, I want to guide you. I want to lead you in a particular way. And here's the thing. The promises of God are yes and amen. We know that they are true, but there's con it's contingent on something that we have to do, which is we have to learn how to discern the voice of God. And in a day and age where there are so many competing voices, that can be difficult. I remember, and some of you guys were in here with us, but I remember when we did Forward on a Wednesday night, and it was a class called Hearing from God. So here we are at the gathering spot on a Wednesday night in a class called Hearing from God, learning how to listen to God. And in our quiet meditation moment, we didn't know that Lil Duval was in the restaurant area singing, living my best life. I ain't, yeah. <laughs> and I remember we were all like, oh, okay. But I remember Pastor Mo, when, when, when he finished, Lil Duval finished, and we were still listening from God, he said, listen, this is not an accident. In the city, you're going to have so many distractions that you're going to have to hear the voice of God in the midst of everything else that's going on so you don't derail yourself. So we could hear from God and live the PG-13 Jesus version of our best lives too. You feel me? Here's the thing. When we talk about the ability to hear from God, and when I shared with you my experience with my grandmother all of these years later, I can tell you this one thing. As much as Nana wanted me to receive the guidance of God, I look back and I know without a shadow of a doubt, all along God had orchestrated my steps as I listened to him to get to that moment because he wanted me to receive his guidance even more than my grandmother. And here's that thing, you guys. This might sound odd to you. During those three days, my grandmother gave me her eulogy. I have it on tape. And during those three days, I told my grandmother, I said, Nana, when I leave here, I'm not coming back because you're not dead. You're yet alive. So I flew back to Atlanta that day, Sunday afternoon. Mo picked me up. 
He took me to his dad's house, who's now my dad. His grandparents were there. And as I sat at that table, mom, you'll remember this, his grandmother called him Pooh, which was a God wink for me because my grandmother called me Pooh. And I never looked back because while I lost my grandmother, I gained a whole new family. The guidance of God will see you through. Listen, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says it this way. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. I want to say that again for somebody in this room. Do not try to figure everything out on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's one of my life scriptures. It's in my high school yearbook. I love it because it's a promise. It's a surety. It's a guarantee. I can cash app that and get the money without a fee. <laughs> Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And here's the thing. The more we open up ourselves to seek God for his guidance and ask for his guidance and to acknowledge that we need his guidance, the more generous he is to give it to us. See, one of the things the Lord has been impressing upon my heart, and I've been saying it lately, is simply this. Make me of no reputation. Make me of no reputation. Make me of no reputation. Because when we are of no reputation, we don't care who gets the credit of the glory. When we are of no reputation, we can expand the kingdom of God without agenda because he's the only superstar in the kingdom. Make me of no reputation. And the more I say, Father, make me of no reputation, the more he's generous in guiding me and protecting me from things that in the natural would soar my reputation but in the spirit would sear my soul. That's for somebody in the room today. You're seeking something, but it's going to make a reputation of you that's not pleasing of God. Father, make us of no reputation. John 16, 13 in the New Living Translation says it this way. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. He will what? Into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about your future. See, the problem with the promises of God and his guarantee to guide us is that many of us have been both the distributors as well as the victims of regret. So much so that it's difficult for us to trust God, to listen to him, to believe that he will guide us, and to rejoice in his promises because of those things. See, many of us can't rejoice right now. We only have regrets because of the competing voices that compete for God's guidance in our lives. See, the first competing voice that we have to manage is our own. Beyonce isn't the only one with a big ego. Some of y'all got an ego bigger than Beyonce. You be saying to, you sing to yourself, I love me like XOXO. Like, hey, nobody's in the room. Ego. Edging God out. What have you told yourself that wasn't the truth about yourself? And then when someone tried to acknowledge it, 
you cut them off too. Ego and marriage. There is no healthy marriage with ego. Mo is a type A, just, I mean, he's an alpha male. He is. Surprise. And, and we've been married so long that there are things now he doesn't even verbalize. He just gives me a look like his daddy's doing right now. Like, that's my son, yeah. And there are times, even when I'm not feeling it, even when I want to come back, because I'm smart, I'm gifted with it. I'm a poet, and I'm a writer. And he knows every once in a while, and early in our marriage, I used to use words I knew he didn't know. <laughs> I'm being honest. And he'd be like, I don't care what you just said, the answer still is no. <laughs> I had to get rid of what? My ego. So we have problems with our ego. For others of us, the voice that competes with God are other people. See, God has been telling you to do something for a while, but everybody else around you has you locked in because this is what they know you as. This is what they expect you to do. This is the only box they're comfortable having you in. Why? That box suits them more than it feeds your soul. And for a lot of us, we get stuck in the paralysis of analysis because we're afraid to break the box. And the other reason why for a lot of us, the voices of others have more power is we've created our identity around that thing. I remember when the Lord told me to step away from a particular ministry. And I had been in that ministry all of my adult life. Whenever people saw me, they equated, equated me with that ministry. And I got pride being in that ministry, good pride and bad pride, if we can be honest. And I remember the Lord kept saying, it's time. And I kept saying, not yet. He kept saying, it's time. I kept saying, but I got to do this one thing before I leave because I want to leave well. And I remember one day at a, a Saturday morning prayer, our former pastor, uh, he, he had this way, and, and you knew when he was about to give you a prophetic word. So at the time, we had miscarried. Mo shared that last week. So in my spirit, I know that our former pastor, our bishop, is going to give me a word about our impending child to be born. He used to call me shoes, and he did like this, shoes. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the day. And you know what he told me that day? He said, it's time to leave that ministry. If you don't leave, you're going to forfeit your future. What am I getting at? Every spectacular moment isn't of God. And every moment with God isn't spectacular. But if you want his blessings of guidance, you have to lead, be led by him, and follow his obedience even when it hurts. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church today. <laughs> the last competing voice that we all battle with is the voice of the enemy, the devil, Lucifer, Satan, whatever you want to call him. The enemy always wants you to rest on your last failure because he already knows your future. So he wants you to replay the hurt again, the rejection again, the shame again. It's amazing. Last night I was in, our, in my quiet time in our prayer room and the Lord just said, listen to Imagine Me by Kurt Franklin. Imagine me being free to trust in you totally. 
Some of y'all need to go download that song and listen to it because you're still stuck about what your mama said and what your daddy did. And God is saying it's time to imagine being free. I want to guide you. I want to lead you. But you've got to trust in me. Here's the thing. If we're having difficulty hearing God's voice because of these other competing voices, we have to ask ourselves a question. And the question is simply this. Am I committed to my way or am I submitted to God's way? Am I submitted to my way or am I committed, pardon me, submitted to God's way? Here's the thing. I believe when we get submitted to God's way, we live a life that's full of his guidance because he's the OG of Slay Today. You know, so many of us, we feel like we've got to put everything on our shoulders. But the Lord is saying, cast, cast, cast your cares on me. But for a lot of us, we don't even know what that looks like because we're stuck in the in-between. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like even this message has got you a little bit twisted because you're like, I hear what she's saying and I want to believe it, but. So I want to invite you to learn about a friend of God. His name is Elisha. And like many of us in this room, he was a baller. He was a shot caller. He was a man of God anointed by God. And here's the thing, he had a spirit of boldness on him, a spirit of righteousness on him to the point that the Lord allowed him to stand up and challenge the false prophets of Baal and even to correct King Ahab. So what's going on at this time is that they're on top of a mountain and you've got all these false prophets trying to get the people of Israel to believe in their God. So, pardon me, so Elijah says, hey, let's engage in this competition. You call on your God, I'm going to call on my God. So Elijah, being the gentleman that he is, or was, I should say, allowed the false prophets to go first. And so these false prophets engaged in a whole lot of mechanisms to try to get their God to move. They called on him, they even cut themselves, and their God did not move. So Elijah, being the G he was, said, stand back, watch this. He said, I'm going to put this sacrifice on this mountain. I'm going to burn it. But before I burn it by calling down fire from God, I want you to wet this thing. So imagine if we're in today's time, Elijah's on the top of Stone Mountain, and he's got about 1,000 people with some super soakers. And they're just wetting the sacrifice. So it's soaked. It's verified that it's wet. And he just simply calls on his God. And he calls down fire from heaven, and that entire sacrifice burns. That's the kind of guy that Elijah was that God entrusted to do marvelous things. But it didn't just stop there. He called on the fire. He called down the fire of God. He burned up the, off, the, the sacrifice. Elijah actually killed those false prophets, all 350 of them. Why? They were getting in the way of the truth of God. He did something else. He predicted the end of a drought. He said, it is going to rain, and it rained. And then he sent King Ahab on his way. And as it says in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19, when King Ahab went on his way, Elijah, under the anointing, actually surpassed him. So imagine King Ahab is in his challenger. He gets on 285, and you know, if you've ever heard a challenger, it makes all that noise. 
And here comes Elijah, like he was running like the 50-yard dash, and he surpasses the king's chariot or challenger, whichever you prefer. After all these great highs, Elijah gets a threat. He gets a threat from one person. It was Jezebel. She said, I'm going to kill you. What's your threat? Oh, they don't like you no more. Oh, they think you're too big for your britches now. Oh, you changed because you moved to the other side of town. What is your threat? I don't know. But if you're like Elijah, if you're like Elijah, what you do when you get the threat is you run and hide. And that's exactly what he did. What am I getting at? I said it a moment ago. Some of the greatest highs of God are experienced by some of the worst, most depressing lows. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Great highs. But here comes this low. And here's the thing. When the angel of the Lord came to him after he had jetted, he said, Elijah, what are you doing? And you know what he said? They are trying to kill me. Wait a minute, let's do the math. I heard one person say <laughs> they were going to kill him. But all of a sudden, it's they. Anybody who have you ever been in a tight spot and you feel as if all of them have turned against you when it's just the voice of one person. So here's the thing. Elijah tries to explain, just like many of us try to explain, the angel of the Lord gives him some food to sustain him. He tells him to go somewhere else. He goes there. And just like some of you in the room today, because you're forgetting you have angels of the Lord following you. See, one of the things we do in our household is we employ our angels. Angels of protection, angels of peace, angels of mercy. But like many of us, sometimes we think about angels only in Bible days. But I want to tell you today that you have angels all around you. But there are times, like Elijah, that it's not enough to hear from the angel of the Lord. And so I want us to go to 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11 through 13, because God himself shows up. And for many of you in this room today, God himself is going to show up in your situation. So let's look at it. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were loosed and torn. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was a terrible earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. See, Elijah had all of these highs in a short period of time, so much so that he began to look for God in the extraordinary stuff. 
And like him, many of us, we've had these extraordinary highs, and now we're at a low place, and we're looking for God everywhere, but we can't find him. So here's this guy who's looking for God. But maybe it's you today. Krista, maybe it's you, and God is saying, where are you? What are you doing? Why are you here? Where are you? And for a lot of us, we're not quite sure. And so all I want to do today is give us some guideposts of how we can hear from God and be guided from God so we can get out of the cave, the pit, the depression, the anxiety, the low self-esteem, the shame, or whatever has us in bondage. So the first thing we have to do if we're going to allow God to guide us is that we have to manage our expectations. We have to manage our expectations. Why? Some of us have had the weirdest experiences in the name of Jesus. I mean, let's just tell the truth in here. Some of us just have had weird church experiences. I remember one time on a ministry trip, we went on this trip, and I just figured my ears were clogged because everybody was calling the pastor Lord. To this day, I don't know the pastor's first name. Because everybody was calling him Lord. Yes, Lord. No, Lord. Like, what in the world? Even his Ziploc baggie with his snacks literally had Lord written on him. Weird. I came today to tell you something. I want to make an announcement to you. It's simple. You've heard it before. God is not weird. God is not weird. If you have to tie someone's shoe every time it comes untied, that's weird. If your leader has to know who your friends are, that's weird. If you can't go a particular place until you get permission from somebody, people, that's weird. If someone's trying to set you up with somebody in the name of Jesus and you don't even know who they are and you have no feelings for them, that's weird. God is not weird. One of the things I love about Victory World Church, it's not weird. Sincerity, simplicity, sacrifice, it's clear. God is not weird, people. So we have to manage our expectations because if we don't, someone else will be dictating how we see God, how we receive God, how we believe God. And then they'll also be dictating when we can leave them as Lord and God. How do you manage your expectations? Number one, seek him first. Seek him first, not your cell phone. Seek him first, not your spouse. Seek him first. Isaiah 54 says it this way. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. I want to just say this. I don't know what your morning is. See, in the church, we always give these prescriptors, but it doesn't apply to everybody. I'm in a season where my morning is usually 3.30 in the morning. That's when God wakes me up. Yeah, I heard somebody in the back say, Jesus. <laughs> and it's not insomnia. Literally, the Lord likes to speak to me between 3.30 a.m. and 6 a.m. And I remember when he first started waking me up that early morning, yeah, I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't. I'm going to be honest with you. I'd be upset with God. 
but I've learned to lean into it because I'm seeking him first. And during that time, he gives me wisdom for the day. He guides my way. So your seek him early might be 7 a.m. It might be midnight. For some of you, seeking him early might be 7 p.m. I don't know what it is, but as long as it's your first, give it to him. Give him your first, not your last. The other thing we have to do if we're going to manage our expectations is that we have to develop daily disciplines. Daily disciplines. God is a God of order. He's not all over the place. And so for many of us, we have to develop daily disciplines. Why? So many of us have been taught to chase the grandiose. We miss the simple and the humble. See, for the last week or so, I've been gone. I was gone for nine days with my mom. She's dealing with some things, and so I went home. And there was one discipline that slacked. It was working out. And I remember the first couple of days, I was like, I'm good. I'll get into it. I'll do my push-ups. And then, you know, my trainer bae was like, you doing your core? I was like, oh, I haven't gotten to it. Well, this morning, we worked out. We worked out. I don't know what time it was this morning. It was a little early, about 6. By about 6.22, y'all, I was winded. Don't even comment on the videos he posted today. He up there doing the ropes like, and I'm like, the discipline was lost. And here's the thing about disciplines. If it, if it takes 21 to 30 days to create a habit, think about it this way. It also only takes 21 to 30 days to lose that habit, to lose that discipline. I don't know what God is telling you to develop a daily discipline in, but do it. Don't delay. The second thing we have to do if we're going to receive the guidance of God, if we're going to lean into his promises to hear from him, is that we have to guard against the extra. Guard against the extra. What am I getting at? God is not always extraordinary. He is, but in terms of our interactions with us, obedience is the extraordinary thing from God that a lot of times we want to put to the wayside. What am I getting at? We live in a day and age where the excessive, the dramatic, over-the-top people who do the most, that is the norm. The problem with that is that because we are in a filtered reality, we also want God to filter things for us. And when God won't filter it for us, we get a little upset. We get a little hurt. Everything can't be a lituation. Everything can't be on 10. Why? If everything in your life is on 10, there will be no balance. And the reason why there are so many people, even in the kingdom of God, walking around with big egos is because we've been taught to chase the extra. Let's go back to Elijah. He had done all these things that were extra. They were supernatural. They were spectacular, no doubt. But the moment someone said, I'm going to kill you, he forgot about his experiences with God and he dwelled in his low self-esteem. So God, because he's a loving father, goes to him and he says, go out. And he says, listen for me. But Elijah's listening for him in the, the wind and the storm and all that kind of stuff. But look at what it says in the second half of 1 Kings 18, verse 12. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. 
When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And like many of us, God comes back a second time. What are you doing here? And we remind him of all of the stuff. But I wanted to tell you today that even in the midst of our low place, when we're hiding in the cave, I believe the Lord is saying to everyone in this room today, in spite of whatever it is you might be feeling, in spite of whatever it is that you're going through, he's speaking to us and he's saying it like this. Be still and know that I am God. It goes from audible to a whisper. Be still and know, Hannah, that I am God. Be still and know, AJ, that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. No matter what you're going through, yes, you got that bad report. Yes, last Sunday, my mom was in a hospital room at this time. But I had to be still and know that God is still God. Be still and know that God is God when you're late for the job interview and you're stuck on 285. Be still and know when you thought he was the one or she was the one and they said, I'm not feeling you anymore. Be still and know when you feel the prompting of the Lord to go, but you're not sure because your loyalty won't let you do it. Be still and know that I am God. When we lost our son, it was the worst experience I've ever had to go through. Because as Mo shared last week, he's an excited guy. He told everybody. And I kept saying, well, baby, just, just wait. Just let's, let's wait. But I'll tell you this. It was painful but necessary. Because I got to see the goodness of the Lord and the land of a living and I got to see a side of God I would have never seen if everything had gone hunky-dory what is it that you need to be still and know that God is God amen number three the guidance of God it's exclusive it's tailor-made. I don't know your name, but it's custom just for you. He knows how to wrap you in his truth. He knows how to wrap you in his love. And he wants to show you a side of him he's nev you've never, ever seen before. It's not an accident you're right here. And I don't know you, but I know that you don't like to be this close to anything. It's exclusive. It's tailor-made. Why the whisper? The whisper because a whisper connotes proximity. A whisper connotes intimacy. A whisper connotes closeness. You got to lean in to hear it. 
so God whispered to Elijah. He's whispering to us because he wants us to lean in. When we lean into God, we have to let go of all those other competing voices. I don't know about you, but I'd rather lean into God any day than to lean into the voices. See, when I've leaned into the voices of others, I've almost lost my mind. But when I've leaned into God and he's reminded me that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, when he's reminded me that no weapon formed against me, not even the weapon of myself can prosper, when I've leaned into God and said, make me of no reputation, He's guided me. He's guided our family. He's ordered our steps, even when it felt like rejection. Remember this. Man's rejection is always God's protection. And all God wants us to do is to ask him to guide us. And I guarantee you, your fit's not my fit. My fit's not your fit, but if we all rep our fits together, the kingdom of God is glorified all day, every day. The fourth thing, it's an echo. God never contradicts himself. And the greatest echo of God we can ever receive and get is through the word of God, through the Bible. God doesn't say to kill, steal, and destroy. He says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Now, a, a, a synonym of that is manipulation. So if you've got to lie to get it, if you've got to manipulate to get it, if you've got to edge people out of the way with your ego to get it, it's not of God. The word of God is true, and it never, ever contradicts itself. That's why we have to be seekers of the word. We have to be students of the word. We have to consume the word. And we have to be writers of the word. See, God speaks to all of us a lot of times, but we won't write it down. I remember Mo, he used to say this. He said, a short pencil or a raggedy pen is better than a long memory. Have you ever heard something, you're like, all right, I'm, I'm going to write that down. And by the time you go to write it down, you're like, uh, you don't, like, I, I, have you ever asked someone, what did I just say? See, in lecture at the university, I tell my students to write it down because there are literally lectures where the Holy Spirit will overtake me and I freestyle a 90-minute lecture, <laughs> literally. And, and what happens is they'll be like, Dr. Mo, can you go back and say that? And I'm like, what did I say? because I don't know. But when we write it down, we can go back to it. I have journals of the promises of God, and I love when I can go back and write in there, completed, done, check, and literally checks in the mail. God's words an echo. And that leads me to my final point today. God's word is for everyone. It's for everyone. I know this might sound elementary to you, but when you're reading the word of God and when you're writing the word of God down, read it and write it with an open heart and write it and read it with expectancy to receive. Why? Luke 8, 18 says it this way. 
So pay careful attention to your hearts as you hear my teaching. For those who have open hearts, even more revelation will be given to them until it overflows. And for those who do not listen with open hearts, what little light they imagine they have will be taken away. I want to be a good steward. I want God to trust me with more. So I've had to ask God, my analytical self, open me up to your truth. And I've learned I'd rather be a fool for God than an arrogant fool for me. Point five, it's for everyone. It's why we gather corporately. It's why we have the ecclesia. It's why even at Victory we believe in small group community where we tell you make friends become disciples. Why? When we do this together as a community, as a body of believers, we see the fruit of the increase of God. See, one of the things about Mo and I is we wanted to be leaders, and we've always been leaders, even with our own leadership company, where we served people first. There's nothing we'll ask anyone to do that you won't first see us doing ourselves. We believe in giving away power. But in order to be able to give away power, you have to have a body of believers who will join you on the journey to receive all power that comes from the Father. So it's for everyone, but as the Word says, not everyone will lean in. I don't know why I'm harping on this, but there are like three people, and, and, and you're in between. There's a decision you've got to make, and you're in between. And all I'm saying this week, and I'm personally going to do this for you, I'm going to be praying for the perfect guidance of God in your situation so that you go where you're supposed to go and do what you're supposed to do. When Mo and I were in our in-between, there were five different opportunities before us. Five. All good opportunities. But not necessarily all God. And I remember as things began to shift, what we did as a family is that we prayed together. That was our everyone, him and I, so we could hear the will of God for our lives. And when God guided us to victory, you could not have written this story. And in over a year and a half, the church has tripled, not because of us, but because of the guidance of God. And if it flows from the head all the way down, listen, 2020 is all of our years, friend to receive the wisdom and the guidance of God so we can get rooted, planted, established, and developed and grown in the word of God. So here's the thing. Consider what you are listening to. If you value it, write it down. Why? Just like a piano has to be tuned, God also wants to retune and retool and refine the rhythm of all of our hearts. So today what we want to do before we close out 
is we want to give us all an opportunity to hear from God, to listen to God, and to receive his guidance. And the simple prayer that I have is, Lord, guide us. Guide us in things that aren't necessarily extra, but guide us, Father, in things that are exclusive just for us. And for, Lord, those who need guidance as it relates to their next steps, let them know that your word, which is an echo, is for everyone. And, Father, help us as we wait on you to manage our expectations so we can believe in you, receive from you, and know that you alone are the author and the finisher of our faith. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you, Mignon.